Welcome to the Theology.fm podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Myers. Hope you enjoyed that last podcast episode where I discussed the issue of biblical illiteracy with the CEO of Group Publishing, Tom Schultz. He interviewed me about that question. That was the last episode. Today, we're going to do another episode where I was interviewed by another podcaster. This other podcaster is Tom Walter, and he hosts the Life Uncut podcast. Another wonderful podcast I subscribe to, listen to, and he interviews various Christian leaders and authors around the, uh, around the world. He's interviewed Frank Viola in the past and, uh, and many others. Uh, I love the discussions he has. Anyway, uh, he caught up with me, and we were able to discuss some of my life, theology, some of the journey I've been on as I seek to follow Jesus, some of what I do now, some of my writings, books, blogging, projects I've got coming up and in the past, and uh, we just had a really good time. I think we talked for a little more than an hour, and looks like he's divided it up into two podcast episodes. I'm just going to post the first one here, and then you can go over and subscribe to his podcast and listen to part two all on your own if you want. A little bit about Tom. He is actually uh, not a podcaster full-time. Neither am I. This is uh, something I do on the side, just like he does. And uh, he's a law enforcement officer in Florida, and that has given him insight into some of the darker sides of humanity and society, I suppose. He's seen men, women, and children shot, stabbed, abused. He's seen families broken and lives destroyed by the selfish, sinful acts of mankind. But, you know, he's hopeful. He's also seen miracles performed, lives restored, and families reunited. And that profession of being a law enforcement officer with, I believe, sort of spirit-filled eyes has allowed him to maintain a hopeful opinion and perspective on humanity. And so he approaches his job as a law enforcement officer in Florida in a way that I think gives him a unique perspective. So that's why I really encourage you to subscribe to his Life Uncut podcast, listen to what he has to say, listen to the discussions and interviews he has. Anyway, he caught up with me and we had a great discussion about some of these questions and issues of our day. You may or may not know it, but I am sort of in law enforcement myself. And uh, so that sort of formed part of the basis of our discussion. And uh, we, we uh, carried on from there. So anyway, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time introducing the podcast. Uh, but make sure you go over to Life Uncut uh, Podcast. Just search for that. His website is actually eeklee.com, which is eeklee.com. You can learn more about him, his ministry, his writings, his podcast there. So with all of that in mind, let us tune in to my discussion between myself and Tom Walter of the Life Uncut podcast. Welcome to Life Uncut, your weekly podcast hosted by John Allaire and Tom Walter, where we bring you honest conversations about life, faith, and everything in between. On this week's episode of the podcast, 
Tom sits down for a one-on-one with blogger and author Jeremy Myers. They have an open conversation about ministry and talk about some of the trials that Jeremy has faced along the way. It's an encouraging conversation, so keep listening, because this is episode 44 of the Life Uncut Show. And welcome back into another week of the Life Uncut show. I'm one of your hosts, John. Uh, Tom will be on the show in just a moment as he sits down with author and blogger Jeremy Myers. You can find him at redeeminggod.com. Jeremy was a guy who Tom met through a Frank Viola-led mastermind. And Jeremy has just an awesome ministry and really a testimony about dealing with losing his job or losing a job for expressing his faith, for being honest about his faith. And it may not have happened in the way that you would expect by hearing that teaser. It's a two-part conversation covering a wide variety of topics from being honest about faith and to Jeremy's story about what he went through in that season of his life, but also touching on some of the struggles of being a Christian blogger or content creator And even some of the ways that the church as a whole tends to use others in society as scapegoats for some of our problems that maybe we should be more reflective on. Before we get into the conversation, I do want to remind you that last week was our conclusion of the conversation that we had with Joel Willits. If you haven't listened to the episodes with the Joel Willits conversation, just, you know, take some time to get caught up, go back and listen to those. We've had a great response Uh, from those episodes touching on some issues that are difficult to deal with. And uh, and the second half of that conversation really is also pretty fun. And reminder that you can find all of those podcasts, all of the previous episodes of the show on lifeuncutshow.com. But without any further delay, I'm going to get you in to the conversation between Tom and Jeremy Myers. What's going on with you, man? How are you doing today? Yeah, good. How's yeah. the new baby? Good. Uh, tiring. I'm not going to say that it's not. I mean, he's he's tiring. He's our third. Uh, I'm not sure if you look through my social media at all. So we have three kids, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and him. And, uh, and so life is uh, is tiring. <laughs> That's the, yeah. be- the best way that I can put it. Um, I don't know if you're a father or not, but... Uh, oh, uh, yeah. We have three kids ourselves, three awesome. girls. Oh yeah, so you're much more tired than I am probably because I, I have one girl and she is all that I can handle. So uh, yeah. Well, it's it's more tiring when they're younger, and then it gets to be more exciting and I don't know more relational as they get older. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so. I definitely am looking forward to those days. It's it's one of those things where it's I I, I was thinking about that as we drove home yesterday from Tallahassee from I did uh, performed a wedding in Tallahassee yesterday, and so we had a six hour drive home. And I was driving home and I was thinking about that very thing. It was that you know i we always look 
down the road. You know, we're always looking into the future or hoping for the next thing or whatever that is, looking for our kids to get older so we can play baseball with them or, you know, have that relationship with them. And, it's, and I was just thinking as I was driving, I was just, and I was kind of praying to myself. My wife was sleeping. I was like, you know, Lord, I don't, I just don't want to miss now. You know, I look back and my, my son was sleeping in his car seat. My two others were vegging out on the TV and the van. And I was like, you know, I just don't want to miss this moment now. And it's, it's hard because as much as I don't want to miss this moment, I'm so daggum tired in this moment. You know, you just want this moment to go by so you get to want you get to sleep again at night. You know, it's just it, I, maybe it's just this beautiful uh, balance that you have to strike between the two uh, the two realities that you want. You know, um, but it's funny. I was just thinking about that as I was driving home yesterday. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. You want to be able to live in the now. If you always look into the future, then you miss out on those moments, the, you know, the meaningful moments right now in your in your day-to-day. So It was funny because I was thinking about that, like, not only as a father, you know, with his kids, but as a believer. I was, you know, and, and as, a, as a believer that's living life and has a, has a job and has, has trying to do, you know, quote-unquote ministry online and all these things, you know, it's like, I, I was just like, Lord, how do we actually live today? You know, how do we live in the now for you because it seems like, you know, churches and we're always, okay, well, the churches, well, we need to get this, this many congregants that we can do this. Or, you know, as a Christian, we're like, well, we need to look for this in our life. You know, if we have this thing in our life, then, you know, we'll be satisfied and fulfilled. I'm like, I just, I'm so tired of looking down the road for that thing that's going to satisfy me that I want to learn, you know, and teach myself and help others to live today and enjoy this moment right here and now, not to idolize it, you know, but to just to really live in the moment, you know, and it, it I just think sometimes we just forget that because we've been so tuned in our minds that, you know, when we were growing up, we spent, what, 22 years, you know, in school and in college saying everything you're doing right now is not about right now. It's about down the road, you know, down the road. And I don't think we ever got out of that mentality, you know? Yeah. What do you want to do when you grow up? That's like the first question you get is when you're five years old. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then that's right. That's what you uh, prepare for, plan for. And yeah, you miss out on a lot of the now. And I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he, to some degree, when he said, you know, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. Uh, I, you know, we do have to plan for the future a little bit, obviously. But um, yeah, th- there's so much going on in us right now with the people in our life right now that if we're thinking about tomorrow, next month, next year, uh, we miss out on all of that. Uh, yeah. So. And I don't know, I just I just think we for I think we're just we're forsaking the grace that was given to us for this moment, you know, and that I, I think in a lot of ways, I mean, if we want to be a fruitful believer, a, a fruitful Christian, if you will, that actually makes a difference in, you know, our society and our life, I think it's learning just how to embrace the moment that you're in the day that we're in right now, because if we just keep looking down the road, I think we're forgetting the people that we're walking beside. You know, my wife tells me that I have a bleeding heart for every homeless guy that I see. And I'm like, yeah, but are we supposed to have that? I, was, I told her, I was like, are we supposed to have that? Is that what Jesus had? I'm like, I was like, I get it, but he's my priority. You know, I, I was, uh, I was at a wedding and the guy, I didn't have any money on me as I was leaving the hotel the night before. And I saw him the next morning and I left my wife and said, Hey, hold on, bear it back. I gave him a couple bucks cause he wanted a coffee. Allegedly. I'm sure it was for what it was for, but, uh, uh, and I left. She's like, what the heck did you go do? I was like, well, last night he asked me for three bucks for a coffee. I said, now I had the three bucks, so I had to go give it to him. She's like, he got such a bleeding heart. I was like, but that, that's, that's what it's about. You know, this is what Jesus said, you know, and, um, you know, I just, we just forget that because we're always, we're always looking forward. So, yeah, but, all right. I was something from C.S. Lewis the other day, and he used to do the same thing that you do. He, he would, every time he'd see a homeless person, he'd hand him a couple, I don't know, what are they, pounds or shillings, or I don't know what, I don't know how it works over there in London, in, in England. But um, 
And someone once criticized him. You know, sometimes people do that today to us. You know, oh, you know, he's just going to go spend it on alcohol or something. Mm-hmm. So he was walking along with his friend. His friend, he gave a couple, you know, some money to a homeless guy. And the guy said, you know, he's just going to go spend that on alcohol. And C.S. Lewis said, yeah, but if I keep it, I'm just going to go spend it on alcohol. <laughs> that's, that's good stuff. <laughs> that's great C.S. Lewis right there. Amen to that. Amen to that. So, Jeremy, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. I don't, I don't Tell me a little bit about yourself as well. I mean, obviously, my audience doesn't really have any connection to you. Um, my connection to you started because of Frank Viola. I, I know that you uh, have been, I think, a web designer for him, if I remember correctly, uh, for several years. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, pretty much most of the websites he owns, and I don't know how many he has. He seems like he adds another one every week. In fact, I'm working on uh, with him right now on another one. <laughs> uh, he'll be announcing that soon. I'm going to probably put the finishing touches on it later today. But yeah, so most of the websites he has I've designed. It's sort of something I do on the side. I'm not a web designer by profession. Um, 100% self-taught. It's just a sort of hobby of mine I do on the side. It's not my job. Uh, so I help with him and a couple other people, pastors and authors and bloggers around the world, help them do their websites and things just to, you know, some people just want to write uh, and they don't want to be dealing with all of the technical HTML, PHP, CSS, all the background code and issues that come up with. So they sometimes contact me and I, I help them out. So uh, that's all. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think that's for me personally, I think I find myself in that same kind of boat. And I'm so thankful that I have John, who's my partner and my co-host as well, because he does all that for me, you know, and, and, and if anybody listens to our show, they know that John does all the hard work and I just and I just talk, you know, I just write and I, I enjoy that a whole lot more. Um, oh, it's good. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's just such a huge learning curve to learn all that. And then aside from that, it's always changing. So it seems like just as soon as you learn how to put a website together, a week later, a month later, something new comes out. And it's like, oh, you have to do this. So anyway. <laughs> That's so uh, true. Yeah. So what, what, what is your story? Outside of that, I mean, what, what is your story, Jeremy? Where, where does, where do, how do we get to the place where you're writing, writing books, you're publishing on redeeminggod.com repeatedly and, and doing what you do full time? Yeah. Well, I don't know how much of the story you want. I grew up in Montana. I'm a, a pastor's kid. Went to Bible college, seminary, pastored for a number of years. Somewhere in there, while I was a pastor, I started my first blog. It was actually at tillhecomes.org. And uh, that's an acronym or whatever it is for truth in love, letting him equip Christians to obey, ministry, evangelize, and send. You know, big mouthful there. That's but, a lot. Yeah, it that's is. A lot, yeah, it is. T-I-L-L-H-E-C-O-M-E-S. That's, that was it. So that's where that came from. And then about uh, somewhere in there, let's see, I left the pastoral ministry, worked for a nonprofit Christian organization in Dallas, Texas for a while. Um, after that, moved up to, got a different job, which is what I'm in now. Uh, but uh, that first took me to New York, where I lived for about four years. And now we're in Oregon, and we've been here for about four years. So somewhere there, I, I started uh, blogging a lot more, writing books a lot more, and just recently started a podcast, the One Verse podcast. So, and none of this is really related to my work. It's sort of like you, you have your job on the outside, which pays the bills. And then you do this because you enjoy it and you love it. And, um, you know, it's, and, and Lord knows right now we're not paying the bills with this at all. So absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, as you're discovering podcasting, blogging, all of that, it gets expensive. And, yeah, uh, you know, people like, 
you almost never pay the bills with it. You know, even if you put a few, I have ads up on my, my blog. It doesn't look like you do that on yours. No, I don't. Uh, Not right now. Yeah. And and so that helps me pay the bills a little bit. It covers some of my blogging expenses. It's, and that's something that, you know, that our audience knows that we've, we're looking towards this year to try and to help offset the cost because, you know, actually John, uh, my partner is doing this full time. Now he moved out to California. Um, and Lord knows he's in the same time zone as you. And, and golly, that three hours makes a big difference when you're trying to coordinate. And I didn't think it'd be that big of a deal, but it really does. But uh, uh, so he's doing it full time. And so our audience knows that we're trying to work towards uh, some stream of monetization. And we're doing a lot this year to try and make ourselves a little bit more professional, uh, a little bit more streamlined to m- maybe put ads or, or sponsorships on uh, on the podcast as well. But, you know, it's one of those ones where I just and I think you do the same thing as well is you don't want to water down what you do for the sake of a dollar you know and i and i, and I get that from redeeming.god.com that you want to tell the truth the way that you see the as tr- the truth the way it's been revealed to you as the truth and that is of utmost importance to you and so the monetization thing i think is just a it's a secondary it's important it allows us to keep doing it moving forward but what's first and foremost is speaking the truth as we see it and as it's been revealed to us in the word and so i just i, I just told john i said i don't want to lose my focus you know because i've seen uh, authors and i've seen bloggers that they're so focused on making a dollar and, and and making a living and i get that that they kind of forsake actually speaking the truth as i think it needs to be spoken so um i mean that's that's our goal and, and we'll see where that goes down the future in, in the future but one thing you had said is you left the pastoral ministry. I was wondering, why did you leave? I, I could probably go back today. So I don't want to say anything negative about pastoral ministry or churches or anything like that. So what I'm going to say is is my own convictions, my own personal journey a little bit. At the time, I felt like, well, basically like, like what, what you were just saying. What I write on my blog, I want to be able to honest, be honest to who I am and what God is teaching me, what I'm learning in Scripture and as I, when I was a pastor, and maybe it was partly because of my youth, I'm not really sure, I always felt a little handcuffed in, in what I could say and couldn't say. Uh, and there were lots of times when I got myself in quite a bit of trouble in my preaching and teaching because afterwards an elder or somebody would draw me aside and say, now, pastor, you know you can't say that. And then, you know, people would leave the church or whatever, and the donations would drop, and, you know, that was teaching me, okay, I have to be more careful what I say so I don't offend, you know, Mr. So-and-so or the the big donor over there. Anyway, long story short, I just felt like I wanted more freedom Mm -hmm, to be mm -hmm. able to follow the text and and the the Holy Spirit and where I was being led and what I was thinking it was wanting me to say. And I, I knew that one of the things that kept me from that was my reliance on the paycheck. Uh, from the church. So that was really the initial motivation for me to resign as pastor. Ultimately, my initial plan was to find some sort of work. I wanted to be a tent maker, find some sort of work outside employment uh, so that I could continue to pastor, but pastor for free. And then I wouldn't have to be dependent on the donors or the donations or the church paying my salary. Now, uh, that hasn't happened, and, and there's lots of reasons for that. We don't attend an institutional-style gathering church right now. We're more of a relational, you know, following Jesus in a more, more relational way. So even now, I'm not sure that I would be comfortable in the Sunday morning, 10.30 to noon type gathering. Yeah. So 
uh, just a lot has changed ever since that initial move away uh, from pastoral ministry. I kind of want to talk about it because that sounds like we both share a similar story in a sense. I'm just wondering, what, what was the one thing that really opened your eyes to make that shift? Was it was it the people in the church that you're a part of, or was it was it some book or some revelation that that you received that just it was like a just a like a spark that lit a fire in you? Yeah, there were a couple things. First, it wasn't the people in the church. The people in the church I was at, I loved all of them dearly. In fact, I still do. Um, they we we maintain contact. The most it was a church in Montana. And when we go out there, we go out there now that we're in Oregon every summer and we try to get together with a bunch of them and we still email back and forth. And I mean, this was hmm, 11, 12 years ago now, I suppose, maybe more. I'm not quite sure what the math is on that. But uh, and so we still have relationships. We still maintain contact. So I love all of them and I have nothing but fond memories. I mean, there were always the church frustrations. There's always those church frustrations, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, It wasn't, you know bed of roses or whatever it was, uh, you know, however it is. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, obviously. But, but, um, so it wasn't, wasn't that so much for me, it was actually when I was in Texas working for a nonprofit organization there, it was the strangest thing as a pastor. And I don't know why this was, but as a pastor, I didn't have many friends who were outside the church. But when I got to Texas, we developed a lot of friendships with people who had nothing to do with the church for whatever reason. And we went through a very uh, faith-trying experience in in Texas. I look back at it now, and it's something that's quite common. I lost my job. I, I, I um, essentially was fired <laughs> from a Christian nonprofit organization uh, they asked me to resign, but I felt that I had not done anything wrong. So I said, no, if you want to get rid of me, you're going to have to fire me. So they did. And it was the weirdest thing because at the time, m- most of the support we received during that time was from our non-Christian friends. And I, I don't know why that was. Uh, in fact, much to the to the contrary, most of our Christian friends at the time literally abandoned us. Mm. Uh, and, and, and so that was really sort of the, the major catalyst. It caused me to step back and sort of scratch my head and say, now, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, This is exactly the opposite of the way the church, at least the way I think the church is supposed to be. And I know this isn't representative of the entire church. I understand that. But here, I thought these people were, you know, that I, I meet with every Sunday and I go to Bible study with and prayer meeting with, I thought these were my best friends in life. And here I am. I'm, I'm going through one of the most difficult circumstances I've faced yet in my life. And I know lots of people have faced more difficult circumstances than just losing their job. I understand that. But uh, the, the people who are coming around me and supporting me and, and being there for me and bringing food over and helping me find a job and all this other stuff that... I sort of thought the church was supposed to do these non-Christians who have nothing to do with God, nothing to do with the church. They're the ones who are coming around me. And I just didn't understand it back then. It really made me start asking some Mm. questions about why the church, how the church functions and what the church is supposed to be and do and all those sorts of things. So that was really the catalyst, that experience right there. So, if you don't want me asking, were you fired because of an ideology difference? Was that 
was it something that you had said or thought or was it just something different from that altogether? Yeah, you know, I had my blog at the time. That was at Tilly Comes, but you can still find the blog post. I, it was a, a blog post I wrote, of all things. Um, the blog post was called The Heretic in Me. So anybody can find it. They just search Google or whatever for The Heretic in Me, Jeremy Myers, The Heretic in Me. You go, you can go to my website, redeeminggod.com, go down to the search function and find it. Mm-hmm. What happened was this was a fairly conservative nonprofit organization, uh, theologically conservative. And the funny thing is, is I still agree with everything on their doctrinal statement, and I did at the time. But what happened was, is I was starting to have some questions, not only about church, but other areas like seven-day creationism and certain Old Testament prophecies, whether they really were about Jesus or not, and uh, some questions about the origin of Satan, and even, you know, if Satan was a a personal being of sorts or whether some sort of impersonal force, you know, those sorts of questions. And all I really had was questions. And what I wrote in this blog post was seven questions that I had that I was researching, reading about, investigating. And I I basically, at the time, I was super hyper fundamentalist conservative, and the questions I had scared me. And so I wrote a blog post saying, look, I'm starting to think I might become a heretic. (laughs) Because I have questions about whether or not God actually created the world in seven days. And, you know, in some in some circles, in some churches, you question that. You are a heretic. That's you're true. a reprobate. You're headed to hell. And that's the way I thought. And I was starting to see the arguments from the other side. So I wanted to investigate it. I wanted to read it. I wanted to research it. So I wrote this blog post. Here's the seven things that I plan on studying, reading, researching, that sort of thing. Mm. And the director of this nonprofit organization somehow got wind of this. He didn't read my blog, but someone who did called him up or emailed him and said, do you know that you have Jeremy Myers on staff and he wrote this blog post? You really need to go read it and consider whether or not you want him on your staff. Mm-hmm. So he read it. He got alarmed and concerned and he called me in and over the course of the next couple of months, I, I eventually lost my job. And all the way through, I told him, I said, look, give me the doctrinal statement of the organization. There's nothing on here I disagree with. I, I even told him, I'll sign it in blood. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love working here. I love what we stand for. I love what we do. I want to be part of this. I want to continue working here. And I, I honestly, all I'm doing is reading and researching things. Uh, and even of those seven, none of them had anything to do with the doctrinal statement. Uh, they were all peripheral issues, in my opinion. Anyway... Long story short, they just couldn't handle it and um, let me go. Mm. So that was that was the issue, or that was the the issues, I should say, and that's that's what happened. Uh, and then because of that, I, I again, I, I sort of have to look at it from the perspective of my church-going Christian friends. They saw that I was fired from a uh, Christian conservative nonprofit organization that was doing a lot of good around the country and around the world. And so they said, well, Jeremy, although you're saying it was these this blog post of yours and just because you want to research, we know that nobody would actually fire you for something like that. So it has to be something else. <laughs> you are not telling us. There must have been some sort of moral failure. And uh, I had lots of people who would email me and tell me that, you know, you're just not being honest with us. You're not telling us why you were really let go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, OK, so I, that that's what happened. And um uh, and, and so, and so, the correct response is: in, in light of you not being honest in their opinion, or because of something that's 
non-existent, I obviously must, must shun you away and, yep. and discontinue fellowship. That is the Jesus thing to do. Yeah, That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. And I even wrote some blog posts at the time. I, I, I sort of felt maybe a little arrogantly, I suppose, I sort of felt a little bit like Job. Yeah. <laughs> Job and his friends are sitting around and all his friends are, no, you're just not being honest with yourself. You must have some sin in your life. And Job's like, no, seriously, I don't. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, so anyway. So what do, what do you find yourself doing? What is your tent making now? You said you've gone to New York and now you're in Oregon. Uh, what is that profession for you now? Yeah. You know, you and I share something in common a little bit. I also am in law enforcement. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't tell it from looking at my picture, I suppose, but, um, I don't talk about it a whole lot. Uh, you, you put it right on your blog, which I'm surprised about. Don't you have a little concern about that? I don't know. Maybe I'm more most. In fact, I think that probably 99% of my readers and subscribers do not know that I'm in law enforcement. So mm -hmm. I don't mind sharing it. If people ask me, I'll tell them. Mm -hmm. but, uh, I'm on the other side of the aisle of you, I guess. I'm in the uh, prison system. I work. Okay. I work actually as a chaplain. Okay. In in a prison. So. Uh, you arrest them, and uh, then I. T I t <laughs> so that's great, though. That's awesome. So, so you find yourself as a chaplain. You've been to a, cha to a prison in New York, and now you're a chaplain for a prison in Oregon. That's correct. Awesome. Yes, awesome. That's a conversation that we should have uh, another time for. Yeah, maybe another show. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was uh, when I when I went into blogging, I didn't say anything about it, and I still don't say with the city that I live in. I still don't say the company that I work for or, or anything like that. Um, I just say that I, I live in Central Florida and I am in law enforcement, and, and I'm vague about it for, for good reasons. The reasons you probably understand and, and know as well. Yeah. Um, but at the same token, I also I felt that I couldn't be who I wanted to be if I'm if I'm concealing when I, I, want, I don't want to say it's the most important element of my life because it's not, but it is an element of my life that has shaped me over the last more than half a decade. And so to to not say that I'm a cop, to not say that I see things through that perspective as well, I feel like it would be a, a lying in a way, even though I'm not lying, like you said, I'm not omitting, I'm just omitting the truth, if you will. But, uh, you know, so I wanted to go into it with an honest spirit. And that's one thing that about the life and cut show and, and even the new podcast that I'm starting daily take, you know, I want to be honest in all things, you know? And so when, when issues come up that arise around law enforcement, I say, listen, I'm a cop and I see it this way. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's not the way that all cops see it um, because I understand and I'm the most critical I'm the, I am the most uh, critical person, if you will, or the most critical eye of my own profession. You know, and I had a conversation, um, I think it was yesterday, the day before in Tallahassee with, with some with some friends and some family. I said, listen, I, I will be the, the most critic to my, the, I'll be the worst critic uh, to my profession because I know what they do. <laughs> I, I know how they, they think and the way they spend their lives and their time. I said, I, I will be their critic. I said, because I know the back scene, you know, behind the scenes. Uh, I said, but the same token, I also see the other side as well, you know. And so, you know, when people are imputing negative, uh, uh, negative uh, feelings, if you will, or, or, or actions to cops uh, in the things that they do or in the scenarios that we see across the world or across the globe, I should say. Um, and I said, listen, maybe you're not you're forgetting what they did or, or how they responded or why they responded the way they responded. And sometimes I say, listen, that cop was an absolute idiot. You know, just yesterday um, I showed my wife a video of, of a, a police chase and the cops were chasing this stolen SUV and, and the girl turns around. The cop parks his car, gets out of his car. The girl is coming at him at 60 miles an hour. He steps out of his patrol vehicle, draws his gun and is ordering this girl to stop. 
<laughs> on his body cam, he's ordering this girl to stop who's driving at him at six miles an hour. And then he starts popping rounds off at her. And I told my wife, I was like, this guy's an idiot. I was like, he's an absolute idiot. I mean, that is the dumbest, the most unsafe decision that he could have made. He put himself in harm's way, and he had no right to shoot the girl because he put himself in harm's way, you know? And my wife's like, well, well he, she was coming at him. I was like, yeah, because he put himself there. You don't get to claim victim and then shoot, shoot somebody to kill him because you, you made yourself a victim, you know? So I look at things at both sides because I feel like that's 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 how we all should do it you know we need to be honest with ourselves in all circumstances situations so yeah i mean it's it's a part of my life that i don't want to hide you know and i want to be honest with that um, especially honest with my audience yeah no for sure that makes sense i guess and i you know i need to own up to that too i suppose i was just talking with someone recently who told me you gotta you gotta be more open about this because sort of the similar reasons you were saying but also because people are just interested in it but uh, yeah, no, a lot of my views on religion in general, you know, I don't know if you've seen on my blog the sort of the um, byline or the, the slogan or whatever there is, uh, rescuing scripture, theology, and church from the shackles of religion. And I'll be completely honest, like you were saying, a lot of my views on religion are because I am working with religion in a prison setting, which... Mm-hmm. Um, you know that 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 colors my view of religion. So yeah, no, it does. It, 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 as much as it, I think it, it colors it, it, it's just another perspective. You know, I think because the truth is the truth, and in the end, that's that doesn't change because you're a cop. It doesn't change because you're a chaplain. It doesn't change because of anything that you do. You know, it doesn't change because you're T.D. Jakes or you're Joel Osteen or or you're Mark Driscoll. You know, it, it the truth is the truth, but the way that we perceive it the way that we apply it i think in our lives and the way that we speak it uh and in, in the platforms that we're involved and in, i think it does change you know and that but i think that's part of being the body of christ that we're all not the hands we're all not the feet because we each have been given our own perspective and, and we're called to share that perspective for the edification of the body you know so that the 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 one who doesn't know the prison system can hear from you to understand the prison system and the way that religion is is fleshed out in that context. You know, I mean, and I, I think that's the beauty of the church and the way it's supposed to be, the we're the way we're supposed to operate. Yeah, yeah, which is which yeah. is amazing. So I mean, and yeah, just you just said it, but rescuing scripture, theology, and church from the shackles of religion. I love that. It's it's a fantastic byline, way better than ours, and I <laughs> I want to steal it, but I won't. I promise. <laughs> So, no, and yeah. I saw on your about page. By the way, what is e e cle e? I'm guessing maybe ecclesia. I have no clue. I couldn't find yeah. on your blog what that means. Yeah, you know, I probably I probably should write something to uh, to flush that out a little bit more. When we when John and I a year and a half ago started this endeavor, we our our, our biggest vision was for a media company that produced podcasts um, and, and and television shows in, in the in the, f- the form of short videos. I should say more than anything. Um, and then a community based or an online community uh, that hopefully would find um, hopefully would find personal contacts in some fashion or shape uh, around also writing for blogging and on and also writing books. Um, but we wanted to create a media company that would do all of it. You know, so there was the umbrella and everything set underneath of the umbrella. Um, and so we knew that our podcast was going to have a name, but we didn't want that podcast to be tied directly to the media company. And we didn't know necessarily what that name should be so we we looked and we looked and we searched we searched we searched and we ended up finding a name called fuse and we liked that name um but then when we actually searched fuse well there was about a thousand different companies or you know platforms that use the word fuse you know and so that went off the list eventually 
this word that we had started with and we came back to was equally, and it came from ecclesia. Uh, we believed it was kind of that something that Frank had um, served us to see, you know, a different light on the ecclesia, what it meant to really be the ecclesia of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just took ecclesia and we kind of played with it and we came out with equally. Um, it was kind of catchy because it's, you know, kind of reflexive, two E's on one side, two E's on the other. Um, and that's kind of where equally came from. It was just a, just a, drive down version of ecclesia that we made a little bit more personal and then also you know if you search equally just equally on google we're the only thing that's there you know we are the that's only true. equally and so it'd be kind of we just we saw it as our own uber if you will you know that it's a word that means absolutely nothing necessarily but it defines something of who we are and hopefully uh, over the years we'll be able to flesh out who we are and what we are um, even though we're now just kind of in the beginning stages of it as we go into our second year of uh, podcasting and writing I like it. Yeah, no, you're created a brand in a sense, a name like Google. Nobody yeah. knew what a Google was until right, Google absolutely. came on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, yeah. it's hard because there's a lot of competition, and so the one thing that we're, the one thing our focus is, um, is is collaboration within the body. You know, I, I, and I've told this to several different bloggers. Is my goal is not to have a better platform than Jeremy Myers. You know. My goal is to sh- shine a spotlight on Jeremy Myers because he deserves the spotlight, you know, um, and because I agree with what he's saying. Maybe not 100% of the time. Maybe we differ, differ on your view on hell and, and whatever. But 95% of the time, because you're a brother who's seeking after the truth, um, you know, I, 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 I want to reflect that, you know. And so I hope and our goal with Eakley is this more than just a platform to share my own writing. It's a platform that I'll be able to share and incorporate your writing and incorporate others that we've we've uh, developed relationships with so that I can say, hey, listen, go to redeeminggod.com because he wrote an amazing blog post. Do you use these Christian cliches? And please stop if you do, you know, and I want you to read that, you know. I don't need to say it myself again because Jeremy said it. So let's let that part of the body, you know, uh, uh, elevate that voice in the body. And so that's that's kind of one of our goals as well with Eakley is to – really begin to build a community that's not around Tom Walter or John O'Leary. And that's why we didn't do, you know, TomWalter.com or, you know, John O'Leary.com or anything like that. We wanted to not elevate just our own name or our own personal brand. We wanted to elevate something else. So there you have the first part of Tom's one-on-one sit-down with author and blogger Jeremy Myers. Again, you can find his website, redeeminggod.com, where he has his personal blog. You can also find Tom's personal blog at eekly.com. That's E-E-K-L-E-E.com. And you can connect with our show, sending us your questions, comments, concerns, listening to previous episodes, finding our social media pages, uh, whether it be for the Life Uncut show or even uh, Tom and myself personally. All of that you can find at lifeuncutshow.com. So I want to thank you for joining us for this half of the conversation, and I look forward to bringing you the conclusion of our conversation with Jeremy Evans next week on the Life Uncut Show. enjoyed that discussion between myself and Tom. And again, that's only part one. You'll need to subscribe to the Life Uncut podcast to get part two. And I highly uh, invite you to do that. I really invite you to do that. I highly encourage you. That's the word I was looking for. 
because uh, I'm a subscriber and I just really love the discussions Tom has with his other guests, the other people he interviews. He has a good perspective on life and theology, what's going on in our world today, and his discussions bring that out. So make sure you subscribe to the Life Uncut podcast. You can find it on iTunes, or just go to this episode of Theology.fm. You'll see links there as well. And hey, you know, I got some pretty exciting things coming forward in September of 2016 for my other website, RedeemingGod.com. So I really would invite you to go and subscribe to my newsletter there. Go to RedeemingGod.com slash subscribe because I'm pretty excited about something that's coming up in September and I have not announced it yet. But if you want to find out what that is, be one of the first people to find about that. Find out what it is when it comes out in September. You will want to be a subscriber because that's uh, those those people who are part of that community there will be the first to hear about it. Uh, and you know, but just by joining, you're going to get some several free eBooks. For one from me, at least one. A couple others down the road as well. A couple free eBooks from other people. And if you enjoy learning by audio, then you will really want to find out what I'm starting in September. So. Uh, Just go over there, redeeminggod.com slash subscribe, add your name, add your email address, click the button, and you'll be off to the races. (laughs) Looking forward to seeing you there, and I'm also looking forward to hearing what you think about this thing I'm starting in September. Anyway, between now and then, and even after then as well, as always, I hope that what you learned today allows your life and theology to look more and more like Jesus Christ. See you next time in another episode of Theology.fm. (laughs) 